The scripture reading today will be from Ephesians 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, church. This may not be true of you, but it is of me. I shared a couple of weeks ago that uh, it helps me to see some kind of sign from God that I'm tracking with him occasionally. Uh, When I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I do is hit my knees and surrender that day to God. And I do it just to the simple Lord's Prayer. But when I come to the part that says, Lord, your will be done in my life, through me in this world, uh, that's when it gets serious. It's, it's saying, this isn't my life, it's not my day, it's yours. But then at the end of that prayer, and you know how it ends, because this isn't about my glory, it's about yours. This isn't about my strength or my power, it's about yours. It's all about you, God. And so I want to I make sure as I'm walking through my day that that really isn't just a ritual. That's not just something that I go through. It's something that, I, that I'm serious about. So occasionally, I look for God to give me some signs of affirmation about that. Um, am I following well? Because I'm a lot like Doug the dog in the movie Up. You know the guy? Squirrel. That, that's me in my life. I can get off on a tangent, and I can get sidetracked with God's life. And so it's helpful for me to know that he'll help me get back on. And then sometimes to let me know that I am tracking with him. So God gave me a sign Sunday. As um, James mentioned a few moments ago, we had just finished wrapping up our paid in full series, or our paid in full lesson for that particular day. And I doubt if it was probably your favorite sermon that you've ever heard at Easter time, but it was amazing to me how many of you took the time to respond in emails and um, find me after services and find me throughout the week to say, that was a great job. Um, If there's ever any treasure you take home with you from this time, it's only because he put it in. Uh, It doesn't come from me. Uh, I distance myself from any of that, but I'm glad I get to play on his team. And uh, and I just want to say that publicly. But I got to tell you, that was one of the messages I couldn't wait to preach here for a couple of months because of how significant it is in my life. How significant those words up there, paid in full, have been in my life. And I just want to say, if you weren't here last Sunday, we're going to have these cards available right up front here on the risers uh, when we're done with services. And I'm going to have a stamp here, paid in full, uh, in case you weren't here this last Easter and you had a chance, uh, didn't have a chance to, to participate in that particular service. I just want to make that card available to you. And what, what in the world is James talking about, this, this blue card? And, and what's he talking about as far as those, those truths that are there and that plan of salvation that's on the back? Well, can I go through that very briefly in about three minutes? Here's what that looks like. We, we heard from God that throughout Scripture there is this constant running theme where he has made it clear that he is going to provide something innocent to take care of the sin debt for those who are guilty. That's not just something that took place at the cross. That's something that literally is all throughout Scripture. And, and, and the reason for that is because our God is holy. And He's made it clear that, that we can't have a relationship with Him unless that's taken care of. 
unless that's cleaned up. And so we started at square one by asking, where are you with that? And so the very first circle on that card says, I freely acknowledge I've not lived up to the perfect standards of a holy God. Now, we can't go any further unless that's, a, that's true in your life. None of the others really make sense or none of, the, none of the others matter if that's not first the understanding that you have, that there's this gap between my ability to be what God wants me to be and his perfect expectation of what that is to be. But if that was true in your life, we invited you to check that one. And then the next box was this. I understand that my wrongdoings must be atoned for to satisfy the demands of God's justice. That's not something that, that man came up with. It's something that God reveals in his word. That no matter what we think about justice or injustice in this world, that the loving God, the creator God says, I've instituted justice in this world. I've brought about right and wrong in this world. And you'll have to answer to that with me. Two things we talked about at Jimmy's funeral yesterday are, are, are appointments every single one of us are going to keep. The first is death. Most of you aren't going to get out of this world unless Jesus comes without dying. The second is to face the judgment. And I don't know what you're going to do with that, but we're encouraging you. What Scripture says to do is to not try to do that on your own. I understand that my wrongs must be atoned for is the box that was checked second because we went through what, what James talked about, that substitutionary atonement or the self-atonement plan. Uh, you don't want to go the self-atonement route. You, you don't want to stand before a holy God and bring your good works, your acts of righteousness because one of the things Isaiah says about those is, honestly, they're like filthy rags before God. Filthy rags. And so you don't, you don't want to go the self-atonement plan. You want to go the innocent paying the price for the guilty. The Jesus at the cross plan. That's the one that you want to choose. We talked about those two options. And we said, all right, if you choose that, then it, it starts with first soundly rejecting the self-atonement plan. Checking that box. And then also checking, I humbly trust in Christ's atoning work to be applied to my wrongdoings. Now, that's the act of believing. That's the choice of saying, I trust you to do what I couldn't do. And so we just wanted to know, where are you with that in your life right now at this time? And, and many checked all those boxes and said, I've, I've done that. I truly do believe. I choose the, the Jesus atonement plan, not the self-atonement plan. And we said that if you really do that, then the first thing God asks of you to do is to go public with that faith. And to join yourself mysteriously in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ through baptism. Because it's there that you connect with his death, which takes away our sins, and then raises us to walk in a brand new life. And so we gave you the chance, have you done that in your life? And if you had done all of those things, then we invited you to find an elder. And we spread them all around the church here. And we gave them these cool stamps that say paid in full. And all they did was on behalf of the great shepherd was to acknowledge what God's already acknowledged in his word. That if you've done these things, you can know in your heart. There doesn't have to be a shadow of a doubt that you have had your debt. Say the three words with me. Paid in full. Wow. I love those words. Love those words. And so that's what we did last week. And it's amazing to me how powerful it is when there's something that you've had a debt on and it gets taken care of. Hundreds of you went around this auditorium and had elders stamping it. And the holy buzz after that was just one of my favorite Sundays literally since I've been here. You just stayed and loved on each other and talked about stuff. But the best affirmation about that weekend came from God himself. 
It doesn't happen very often because we have a lot of guys who handle this here for us, and I'm grateful. But I was the very last one in the entire building last Sunday. I mean, that rarely happens. But I was here because I, just different things were going on. I didn't get out very quickly. I knew Gail was getting lunch ready at the house. She had gone home in her own car. That doesn't happen that often either. But I was parked back here on the back lot because I wanted to make some room for some of the Easter traffic that was going to be here. And sure enough, we had a packed house. And so I ended up going around the building this way, which I never do. And sure enough, as I went around the building this way, there was Karen and Jack Milliken in their Buick, and their hood was up. I don't know, is it a Buick? It's a white car, looks fancy. Hood was up and uh, wasn't going anywhere fast. And so I pulled up and said, hey, you guys having any car troubles? I said, no, don't worry about it. We've called AA or AAA. Uh, I said, well, what, what exactly is wrong? And they said, well, we've got a battery that's dead. I said, it's a truck. It's got some jumper cables in it, all right? I can handle that. And uh, I said, why don't you all call AAA, and we'll see if we can't get that started. And so they did. Couldn't get it started. I said, no problem. I'll just take you home. And so that's what I did. I uh, drove them home and um, enjoyed the ride with them, but couldn't wait to get to Easter lunch because we had some company coming. And so it put me on a track that I don't normally have to take uh, whenever I go from here to our home. And as I was driving on that track that was out of the ordinary for me, um, I happened to drive by this sign. How many of you had a chance to see that this last week? Well, man, when a preacher has got through just preaching a sermon called Paid in Full and he drives by at the state hospital and sees that, either God's trying to say, you belong in here because you're crazy. <laughs> or you nailed it today, sportsman. And I got to tell you, it just welled up in my heart. I spun that truck around and said, I got to get a picture of this. Get to the office on Tuesday morning, and it was so funny. Vicki Coley says, I've got something I'm going to show you. <laughs> and I said, well, what is it? She said, there was this sign. <laughs> and I said, was it at the Kerrville State Hospital? And she went, yes. And I told her the story. I love the fact that we serve a God who likes to affirm us whenever we're tracking with him. And I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I, I need that in my life. And some of you probably don't. But I think most of us as individuals do. Every now and then we'd like to know, God, are, are we in step with you? Are we following where you're leading? I don't always get that right. And so it's nice to have that affirmed. Um, I don't think just individuals need that. I think churches need that. I think churches need that. To say we have been through a difficult time as a church over the last few years would be an understatement. I'm not sure that I will ever forget the year 2016 as long as I live. The deaths of the Cormier family, followed less than a year later by the deaths of the Stork family, and the darkness of the word murder attached to both of those. Can I just say this honestly? It was hard for me to come to church some Sundays because I was so shell-shocked by that. And what we had to deal with in this building, in this auditorium, with this family, on those occasions, was such a loss. It was a period of darkness for this entire church that we weren't quite sure that we were going to be able to navigate through. I didn't know what to think about it, and I, I, I'm going to be honest even further. and said, God, am I out of step? 
Am I the Jonas that needs to get off of this ship because these things are happening here? Or are we in step as a church and we're just getting attacked for it? We realize your word says that we live in a war zone and that we wake up to a battle every single day with this enemy called Satan. And we know that when your kingdom is advancing either personally or collectively as a church, we know Satan is not going to sit still for that. But God, what is it? I don't know. And I have yet to hear a clear word from God about that. Or at least what I need to think about that. Now, I did hear a clear word about what to do about it. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In all circumstances, give thanks. In all circumstances, Jimmy, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I still don't know what to think about a lot of the things that took place because it, was, it wasn't just that that was going on. In my own personal life, uh, death of my dad, de death of Gail's father, uh, two house floodings, three car accidents in 21 days. It was just an amazing time of, of just challenge. And I don't know what to think about all that, but I know what to do about it, and that is to give thanks. In all circumstances, give thanks. And so we tried as a church. God, thank you for the good times that we enjoyed with the Comiers and the Storks and the influence for good. They were in our church. Thank you for the word of wisdom through the Holy Spirit and the counsel of others that did help us navigate those difficult, dark days. Thank you for sheltering us from the loss of trust of a church that could have bailed by the droves in this leadership. But they didn't. Thank you that no matter what, nothing, your word says, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, nothing, and it didn't. Thank you for the strength to wait on more joyful days to come. He gives, as we sang a few moments ago, and he takes away. And that was a season of things being taken away, and it just devastated us. Am, am I tracking with you? Yeah, I think I'm speaking for most of you. And then the day began to dawn. Through a series of unexplainable events, God opened the door financially and opportunistically for Raymond and his family to come and join us here at the Kerrville Church of Christ. To help us connect with God through worship and to help us connect with one another through fellowship. He brought on three new elders to help us love and shepherd this church. He opened the door for us to join forces with Shriner University to equip and inspire this community's leadership through Global Leadership Summit. I never saw that one coming. And then, boom! Out of nowhere, God blesses us in a way that wasn't anywhere close to being on the radar. To tell you about it, I thought it more appropriate to have one of our elders rather than me share what that is. And he is going to be speaking as one of the elders who has loved on us and prayed for us and led us through some really, really tough times, not just in these last couple of years, but some previous to that. Don, would you come share that, please? You know, I don't know how many phone calls you get a day, probably 15 or 20. That's what I usually get. And most of them are pretty benign. But some of these phone calls are the ones like the storks and cornbread, those you remember. But occasionally you get a phone call from someone that's very powerful. And I got one of those six weeks ago. 
one you'll i'll never forget but in that phone call and that night was a wednesday it was having to be a wednesday i came to church that night and jimmy opens his time with us with this who's got a yay god who's got a yay god i had a yay god i had a big one but i couldn't let it out of the bag I hadn't talked to the elders yet. I hadn't really worked out the details of it yet. But I'm going to tell you today, it's worked out. This building is paid off. God's plan sometimes is not revealed to us until the end of the journey. The journey started for this church in 2002 on two kind of parallel paths. Those of you, how many of you were in the old church? Remember the old church? Look at those arms. Charlotte and I came here in 98. And in 2002, the elders announced that they had bought this piece of property. It was in in uh, financial stress and they were able to get it for a good deal but the church didn't really have any money to buy this land but they got a note together they got it figured out and so the path started <clears throat> and as you recall we brought in a consultant who kind of carried us through the journey it was called the journey of trying to figure out how we're going to raise money how we're going to operate as a church and so forth and that itself was a pretty powerful thing. And you may remember the first Fruit Sunday when we gave almost a million dollars that day to start this process. I was fortunate to be part of the, the building committee. El Ray sort of talked me into that. As you know, I used to call him Don Colleon because you know, he only had one way of doing it. I was pretty busy, but that's what he wanted me to do. But we started that process in 2002. In 2005, we moved into this church. And at that point, all we owed on this building was almost $2.5 million. And a lot of people didn't think we could pay that note, especially when those who left, left us here. And you have helped us process this over the last 13 years. We've taken it from $2.5 million down to $1.5 million. Then we had that process. We took it down to less than a million. And a few months ago, actually the end of December, we only owed $250,000 on this place. But also in 2002, another couple who attended this church started a charitable foundation of which we were identified as a beneficiary. That was Joe and Martha Foy. That benefit, that, that particular fund is going to serve a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But we were identified in that, in that uh, charitable fund trust. And we received a check 10 days ago for $336,000 and $640,000. $640, it's an incredible event for us. And it's been designated since 2002 for the building fund. So we paid off the note. We are now in a situation where we can pivot as a church. A lot of people have said to me over the time, what are we going to do when we pay off this note? What are we going to do? 
well we're going to be doing a lot of different things because we don't have the burden of debt paid in full as jimmy started last week is continuing on a couple of things i want to say to you about what's going to happen we had about two weeks ago we had david ray here and David Ray has been an elder for 32 years at the Highland Church, or I mean not at the Highland Church specifically, but he's been an elder for 32 years. And he came and spoke to us about a lot about the Highland Church, but a lot about what elders should be thinking about and what elders should be doing. And he looked at what we have been doing, and he began to take us through some thoughts and a process of developing a vision clarity about this church. And this is what we need to do, is work on our vision. And you as church members, we're going to solicit from you a lot of things that we want to do, that you want to do. It's really about what we do here as a church. We're doing some of these things, but this burden of debt is so fully gone that we're now able to pivot and go forward with things that we can do here. The first thing we want you to do is spend 40 days in prayer for this church and what this church should be doing here, in the community, and around the world. We're doing some great things now, but I see this church doing even greater things. But this debt has been managed by you, and it's been a wonderful experience for us and something I'll never forget. Thank you. How about we say this together as a church? Ready? Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a great feeling to have something like a building paid in full. I remember when that was true of the very first car that we paid off. That's a big deal for a young couple. You remember yours? It's a big deal. I remember taking out the very last check that we were going to send into the company, and then I included a little note. Thank you for loaning us the money, but we are now paid in full, sincerely, but no longer yours. <laughs> the sportsmen's. We did that with our house, same thing. Wow. I wasn't prepared for how big a, a weight that was off of, of our shoulders, but to have your first home absolutely paid for. Same note. Thanks so much for loaning us the money, but now that we're paid in full, sincerely, but no longer yours, the sportsman's. Now, I don't think we can probably do that yet because I hadn't preached this sermon yet, but wouldn't that have been cool for the church? Dear San Antonio Bank, or whatever bank it is, thanks for loaning us the money, but paid in full. Sincerely, but no longer yours, the Kerrville Church Christ. That really isn't the goal of this church. It is not to pay off buildings. God has blessed every single one of us here that's been involved in this process that uh, we've been stewards over. But it's been his money he's put in your pockets. And so all he's asked is for us to manage well, and you were obedient, and you were humble, and you were giving. And God, I really believe smiled on us in a huge way. When Don told me that in my office a couple of weeks back, I mean, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't just control the emotions. It just stunned me that someone would 
would think so highly of the mission and the vision of this church that they would invest that even when they wouldn't be around. And it started so long ago, 16 years ago, that that seed was planted so that this could be a, an incredible experience for us. And we'll never forget this, paid in full. But that's not the goal of this church. The goal of the church is to, is to see that someone else can say to Satan someday, sincerely, but no longer yours, paid in full, Jimmy Sportsman. Paid in full. There's a young lady by the name of Glenda Nanez who has had a chance to experience what it was like to be deeply indebted to the dark side. Then to also know what it's like to have stamped on her heart and her life paid in full. I'd like to give you a chance to hear her story because this is what the paying off of this debt really means. I call my poem, um, Tribulations Toward Light. At seven years old, one is so innocent, so bright, but at that age, I was just beginning a fight. Kiss me, he said, as I looked at him so confused. Kiss me like this, he said, but it was only him who was amused. Scared and afraid, I shuddered under the cloth, but it was that day I became lost. Who would have known that just one incident could lead a child to lose her innocence? Constant worry of not feeling wanted and only did acts to feel worth something. Betraying myself because it's what they haunted, even though I wasn't sure I wanted. I painted a fantasy of how love should be, but even that was misleading and gave me a title of a mom to be. He was cute, he was handsome, until he became bold and laid hands on me at random. But I didn't know any other option, so once again, I dreamt of the opposite. Why couldn't he love me? Why did he continue to put his hands on me? Why was the drug more important than my daughter and me? Horrible thoughts filled my mind. So on February 28, 2012, I attempted suicide. Free I'll be, free from all this misery. Cut by cut, drip by drip, I suddenly thought, how could I just let myself slip? Get up, get out, head for the next town, on to my journey or my next life quest. And this, this is when I began my life test. Qu quickly did I realize life wasn't so easy. I began to question, why is the Lord doing this to me? Little did I know he already had a plan, you see. He planned on sending angels to rescue me. One day, the phone had rung, and on the other end, it was Ashley who sung. Questions of wonder, of past, future, and once. Thank you, Lord, I was accepted for once. On-site daycare, case management, and counseling all waited for me. Oh, Lord, is this a dream, or is this reality? Misery and despair is now all gone. Almost two years later, I have grown strong. A college student with mostly A's and a GPA of a 3.8. Who would have known I'd be sharing this literature, all because I have chosen to surrender? So here I stand, thanking all who support my Savior. Thank you for the Lord, the support, the love, and the kind gestures. But even more, I thank the Lord for my blessings and for sending arms of hope to my rescuing. Now that's a yay God. And whether it's um, the chance to hear other stories like that, through arms of hope and our partnership with them, or whether it's a chance to hear that through your families here, 
whether it's a chance to hear it from relationships that right now we're planting seeds of love in here in Kerrville or across the globe in Bazua or Saint Louis or the Ukraine. We don't care. God, do with it what you want. Bring us wherever you want because it is our mission and it will not change because we paid a building off to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus so that they can say, Satan, sincerely but no longer yours because my debt's been paid in full and I'm claiming it. Elders, would you join me here on stage, please? we got a mortgage to burn. Before we light this, I want to plant an image in your mind, if I can, very quickly. In a bush that was on fire, that did not burn up, a fugitive herdsman heard the voice of God and experienced the presence and power of God in a way he never had before. A nation of ragamuffin ex-slaves, as they were moving out of bondage and into the promised land, were led by cloud during the day, but by a pillar of fire by night. Elijah entered into a contest with um, a nation of people who thought Baal was the almighty God. And he challenged them and he said, listen, um, you do your best with your best people to build an altar and a sacrifice. You prep it and we'll see if your God comes and lights that sacrifice. And you know the story. They sang, they worshiped, they blew the trumpets, they cut themselves, they did everything possible around that altar, and nothing happened from heaven. Nada. And then Elijah takes and he builds an altar and a sacrifice, but almost to mock the other God, douses water all over it, <laughs> makes it that much harder for our God. And then from heaven comes what? Fire. And that sacrifice is just eaten up in a few moments but you know that what none of those were the greatest example or the greatest image of fire that God wants his church to remember it's the day whenever his presence was made available not to just be among us but in us when fire fell on the apostles heads to show that the empowering indwelling presence of the Spirit was now capable of being experienced by everyone in the world who called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the image of fire. That's the hope that this fire now makes even more of a hope for us, is that with this building paid off, more and more people can experience what it's like to have their sin debt paid in full and to have that fire move into their lives. I'm going to invite you now as a church to stand, all right, as we together celebrate in song while these elders light this thing up. Go ahead, guys.